Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, former megachurch pastor James McDonald has been arrested in California. We'll have details. We also have an update on our Pastors and Planes project, which we're doing in conjunction with the Trinity Foundation. Find out which ministries are using donor dollars to fly around in private jets later in the program. And we remember Charles Stanley and George Verwer, two giants in the evangelical church, both of whom passed away in the past week. All that and more on this week's Ministry Watch podcast. We begin today with news that another pro-life pregnancy resource center has been vandalized. Her Choice, which is a center in Bowling Green, Ohio, was vandalized on Saturday, April 15th. The attackers spray-painted Jane's Revenge, Liars, Fake Clinic, and Abort God on the outside of the Pregnancy Resource Center. Rochelle Sikora is the executive director of Her Choice, and she said this vile attack is part of a nationwide movement to intimidate, threaten, and terrorize pregnancy centers. The center has been in Bowling Green since 1985 and claims to have served over 10,000 women in its nearly 40-year history. It offers pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, testing for sexually transmitted infections, along with birth and parenting classes, and all of its services are free of charge to its clients. Despite the attack, Her Choice plans to continue offering all of these services. Sakura said, our love for women in the community will not wane in the face of these threats. In fact, our resolve to serve is only strengthened. There are about 100 pro-life pregnancy centers across Ohio, providing about $15 million worth of services to families in need. The most recent attack is one uh, of an estimated 78 attacks against pro-life pregnancy centers that have taken place just since the U.S. Supreme Court decision uh, overturning the Roe versus Wade Supreme Court case with the Dobbs decision. That was in June of 2022. Our next story comes from California, and it's the latest in an ongoing fight between churches who challenge their local governments over COVID restrictions. Calvary Chapel in San Jose, California, has been fined $1.2 million for violating California's COVID-19 mask rules from November of 2020 until June of 2021. The church plans to appeal the judgment. The county was originally seeking $2.87 million in fines from Calvary. In November 2020, Santa Clara County secured a restraining order against Calvary Chapel in San Jose, requiring it to limit its gatherings to 100 people and to submit to social distancing protocol plan. 
However, the restraining order was later rescinded, and Peter Kerwin, the same judge who had initially issued the restraining order, actually overturned $300,000 in fines imposed on the church by the county because the restrictions on church worship services were greater than those imposed on secular activities. The county continued to pursue the church, though, for violating mask orders and that resulted in this most recent fine. Calvary Chapel also sued Santa Clara County in federal court, alleging it had instituted unconstitutional restrictions on the church. That case was dismissed in March, but it will be appealed. The Pacific Justice Institute has represented five other California churches who were closed by Santa Clara County for violating COVID-19 restrictions. Eventually, the case made its way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, who ruled 6-3 that the churches could hold worship services. It also resulted in a six-figure settlement for the churches. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles County, a Grace Community Church, the church led by uh, John MacArthur, also received a settlement of about $400,000 from the state over its ban of indoor worship services, a rule that Grace Community Church violated. The church in that case was represented by the Thomas More Society. Warren, let's look at one more story before we take a break. What do you have? Well, the New York City prosperity gospel preacher, uh, Lamar Whitehead, who said he was robbed of a million dollars worth of jewelry during a church service last year, is back in the news. Uh, He allegedly told a real estate investor that he had been accused of extorting money from, that his influence with New York Mayor Eric Adams was so powerful that he could get the mayor to sit down with whoever I needed him to sit down with. That's a direct quote from the legal documents. Lamar Whitehead is accused of extorting $5,000 and attempting to extort more than $500,000 from New York real estate investor Brandon Belmont. According to court documents filed March 29 in connection with this case, Whitehead was allegedly recorded telling Belmont that he could leverage his relationship with Adams to influence city officials in a way that would make money both for him, for Whitehead, and for Belmont. Whitehead had earlier been arrested by federal agents on December 19th for allegedly scamming members of the congregation at his Brooklyn church, the leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries, out of about $90,000 that a member of the church said uh, he had promised to use to help buy her a home. Uh, He pleaded not guilty to two counts of wire fraud, one count of extortion, and one count of making material false statements to the FBI in the case. He's out on bail now, $500,000 bond, and faces a maximum of 65 years in prison if he's convicted. Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, the recent deaths of two prominent Christian leaders could be signaling a changing of the guard in evangelical leadership. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll have that story and much more after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. 
Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Well, up next is a story we promised before the break. The deaths of two prominent evangelical leaders could be indicators of a changing of the guard in evangelical leadership. Yeah, first let's talk, though, about the people who died this week uh, that made the news. One is Dr. Charles Stanley, the pastor at Atlanta Megachurch First Baptist for 51 years and the longtime leader in the Southern Baptist Convention. He died on Tuesday at the age of 90. Charles Stanley was also the founder of In Touch Ministries, a global evangelical broadcasting company that now takes in more than $100 million a year in donations. Dr. Stanley also wrote more than 70 books. His son is prominent megachurch pastor Andy Stanley. And he's not the only well-known ministry leader to die this week. The man who founded the Global Christian Ministry Operation Mobilization has also died. George Verwer passed away peacefully at his home near London, England on the evening of April 14th. He was 84 years old. Verwer founded Operation Mobilization in the 1960s to bring the Word of Christ to new communities around the world. Uh, He directed the ministry for 45 years, and under his leadership, Operation Mobilization expanded throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s in Europe, the Middle least and other places around the world. Then it started buying ocean-going ships, and uh, volunteers, often college students, would crew on those ships, and they would uh, go to ports all around the world and provide services, including uh, Bible teaching wherever they were in port. Uh, That organization, Operation Mobilization, now does about $30 million a year in revenue. Now, Warren, we've suggested earlier that these deaths might be signaling a changing of the guard in evangelical ministry leadership. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I've been covering the evangelical world for long enough to kind of hear this from time to time. When Dr. James Dobson, for example, retired from Focus on the Family 15 years ago, they were saying that there was a changing of the guard then. Or when Billy Graham passed away, um, changing of the guard is happening in the evangelical church. So, So these headlines kind of recur. But I do think this time it may be a little bit different. Ministry Watch does a quarterly survey of the CEOs of the thousand largest Christian ministries in the nation. And in our most recent survey, we found that 60% of the CEOs were over the age of 60. This single data point alone indicates that we will likely see a significant changing of the guard in the decade ahead, especially when you consider that almost none of these ministry leaders were 70 and above. So in the 60s seems to be the retirement age for a lot of these guys. And when you consider that 60% of them Uh, are already over the age of 60, we could expect to see half or more of the nation's largest ministries get new leadership within the next few years. 
Well, Ministry Watch has been keeping tabs on the Bible translation industry for the past few years, and we recently checked in on the progress of a partnership between Dallas-based Spoken Worldwide and Seed Company to create 20 Bible translation projects for language groups that are primarily oral, not written in their communication, is actually on track as it enters year three. That's right. Our reporter, Steve Raby, has been following this partnership, and, and I've got to be candid. The reason that we asked Steve to do so is because we have uh, heard of and we've recovered, reported on, a lot of Bible translation organizations that will m- announce big projects, and then you never hear from them again. They use it, They use these projects and these announcements for fundraising, but we never actually hear whether they completed the project, whether the Bible translations that they raise, in some cases, millions of dollars to do actually happen. So that's why we wanted to pick one and kind of follow it through. Steve Raby first started writing about this project uh, in 2021, and now we've got an update. And uh, that update is that six uh, new oral Bible translation projects uh, had uh, been started by March of 2022. They had planned to do seven more by March of 2023. That's, of course, last month. And they uh, were going to do a final seven. Um, that, and that was going to be the final seven in the project. Spoken CEO Ed Weaver said that they had already completed about 380 chapters of the Bible in 10 languages in the first two years, not the 13 as projected. But they said that they will complete uh, 10 new projects this year. Spoken Worldwide, based in Dallas, has raised about $3.4 million in 2022. Yeah, it spent though less than a half a mil- less than a million dollars, about nine hundred and sixty-six thousand dollars on the translation work itself, which is kind of typical of what happens in the Bible translation world. They say that they're going to translate the Bible into new in, uh, languages for unreached people groups, but we end up discovering when we take a closer look that they spend most of their money on other things. It's just that Bible translation is a good fundraising message. Now, I will say though, in this case, that spoken worldwide is not wasting the money. They spend money on pastor training. Um, They provide uh, orality coaching to sort of teach how to use these oral translations, and they provide funds for community development as well. Our next story highlights a former Calvin University professor who lost his job after performing a wedding for a former student who identifies as transgender. The professor has sued the evangelical school for uh, retaliation and discrimination. In a complaint filed on Friday, April 14th, lawyers for Joseph Kulema, who taught social work at Calvin College from 2008 to 2022, alleged that the school officials fired uh, him uh, because of his support for LGBTQ students and that they retaliated against him for complaining about a film shown on campus that he believed was racist. The complaint also alleges that Calvin discriminated against Against one of Kalema's former students after he performed their wedding and that he was fired after complaining about the school's actions. Kalema's attorneys argue that school officials at the Grand Rapids University, Calvin, uh, violated Michigan's civil rights law. In a statement, a Calvin spokesperson said the university has long allowed faculty to have diverse viewpoints, but also has clear rules about conduct. 
That's right. And by the way, there's a whole lot more to the story, including the fact that Kalema is not really ordained uh, in the church that sponsors uh, Calvin College, the Christian Reformed Church. He, in fact, got his ordination through an online mail order service. Uh, And uh, there are other details in this story that I think shed a lot of light on the motives of both Calvin University and on Kalema. If you want... uh, to know more about this story, or if you have an interest in Christian higher education and how it's navigating this cultural moment, because this uh, lawsuit at Calvin College is just one of many going on in Christian higher ed right now, I recommend that you take a look at the story. You can find it in full on the Ministry Watch website. It's right on the front page, ministrywatch.com. Warren, for a while, former Chicago area megachurch pastor James McDonald was a headline machine. He had a story. We had stories about him almost every week a couple years ago, but he hasn't been in the news lately until this last week. What happened? Well, James McDonald was charged with two felonies for allegedly assaulting a woman during a dispute over parking. Uh, McDonald, who was fired from Harvest Bible Church back in 2019 and later disqualified from ministry for what church elders called a substantial pattern of sinful behavior, was arrested in Coronado, California on March 22nd. According to details of the incident posted on social media by the Coronado Police Department, James McDonald was parking his truck when he hit a vehicle in an adjacent parking spot. When a 59-year-old woman got out of the other vehicle, McDonald allegedly jumped out of his truck and attacked the victim. That, according to the police report. Witnesses came to the woman's aid and she was taken to the hospital. And I understand that a gun was also found in McDonald's truck. Uh, the San Diego County District Attorney's Office said McDonald was arraigned on March 29 and he pleaded not guilty. McDonald has been charged with assault by means likely to produce great bodily injury. That's the actual legal wording of the charge. And a battery with serious bodily injury. According to a complaint filed in the Superior Court of California for the County of San Diego. If he's convicted, James McDonald could face up to seven years in prison. Warren, before we take another break, let's quickly hit a couple of incidents involving Christian leaders and child sexual abuse. Uh, The founder of a popular clothing line uh, with uh, Christian hip-hop and rap artists has been convicted of several counts of child molestation and sentenced to 35 years in California State Prison. Jesse Joshua Aceves of Beaumont, California, was arrested by the Fontana Police Department in June of 2020 and charged with molesting three victims over the course of about 17 years. He's the founder of The Way clothing brand and was active in booking concerts and providing merchandise for Christian musical artists to sell. And the second story is from Florida. Yeah, a Florida youth pastor and public school teacher has been arrested on child pornography charges and is accused of using the church Wi-Fi to download the images. Uh, The Putnam County Sheriff's Department in Florida said Edward Wilds III 
of Palatka, Florida, which is kind of in the Orlando area, allegedly downloaded pornography images using Palatka Baptist Temple's Wi-Fi following a Wednesday evening service at the church. His father, Ed, Edward Wilds II, is the lead pastor of that church. The sheriff's office received a cyber tip from a social media site on May 22nd of last year. Detectives took possession of Wilds' electronic devices and completed a forensic downloading. They discovered 54,000 images on accounts and devices associated with Wilds, most of them pornographic. Warren, we're going to take another break. When we return our lightning round of Ministry News of the Week. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. We like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? The Southern Baptist Theological Seminary's president, Al Moeller, R. Albert Moeller Jr., to be complete and formal about his name, was able to attend a rescheduled work session of the seminary's board of directors on April the 18th after being hospitalized over the weekend with a diagnosis of blood clots in both lungs. Uh, Moeller expressed gratitude to his doctors and nurses for their care and said he expects to make a full recovery after a period of rest. A statement posted on the Albert Muller website on April 18th regarding the briefing, his daily podcast, um, where Muller analyzes news and events from a Christian perspective, said that he was receiving excellent care and responding well to treatment. And we have the latest edition of the Pastors and Plains feature on the site this week. We do, and March was a busy month for pastors and their airplanes. Pastors and ministry leaders made 371.5 flights, significantly exceeding February's total of 323.5 flights. And, and by the way, if you're curious, Natasha, about that 0.5, the reason we do that is because sometimes a plane will take off on one in one month and land in the next month. So we count the takeoff as a half a flight and the landing as a half a flight. So uh, a little inside base there on how we come up with those numbers. I know a half a flight sounds a little bit weird, but that's kind of the way it works sometimes. Uh, the, Trinity, the Trinity Foundation, which is based in Dallas, has been tracking 
the use of private aircraft by ministries and churches for years. But beginning in January of this year, Ministry Watch and the Trinity Foundation began working together to make this project better known to the public. Um, That goal has led Ministry Watch to produce monthly lists based on the Trinity Foundation uh, research. A big shout out, by the way, to Barry Bowen of the Trinity Foundation, who does all of the heavy lifting when it comes to tracking these pastors and their planes. So who's on the list this month? Well, honestly, Natasha, it's kind of the usual suspects. Uh, we've, we're now seeing sort of month after month Liberty University on the list. In fact, Liberty topped the list this month with more than 70 flights uh, utilizing at least three different aircraft. Uh, James Robeson, uh, who is, of course, a televangelist, uh, well-known to many of our listeners probably because um, he's also uh, one of the driving forces behind the Stream website. His ministry took to the sky 24 four times uh, during the month of March in his Cessna 560XL jet. Now, some of our listeners might not know what a Cessna 560XL jet is, but it's better known by its brand name, the Cessna Citation, which is a luxury jet that costs about $6,000 an hour to operate. And this is one that surprised me originally. I mentioned this probably about a month ago uh, on, on the podcast, Natasha. Bob Jones University is also really near the top of the list. They own a Learjet that can hold nine passengers in comfort, and that flight made 15 flights during the month of March. Now, I will say that I did reach out to Bob Jones University to ask them why do they need a jet? What do they use it for? And they actually take one of their choral teams around the country to sing in churches along with the president of the university to speak in those churches. So, uh, I mean, it's not like they're going off to a um, resort location to linger on the beach, but you do sometimes have to wonder why it takes a Learjet to fly a preacher around to preach on a Sunday morning. And who did Christina Darnell feature in Ministries Making a Difference? Well, I want to highlight a couple of them. Uh, one is Christian Appalachian Project's annual Work Fest, which uh, included this year's students from Mount St. Joseph University in Cincinnati, Ohio, who spent their spring break in eastern Kentucky doing home repairs for children, their families, and senior citizens in the community. And I want to mention, too, in February, Praise Assembly in Springfield, Missouri, broke ground on Northeast Community Park. This is a really interesting project, uh, Natasha. It'll cost about a million and a half dollars, and it's not really for the church, but for the community. Uh, they, it's located on 40 acres, which are which are owned by the Assemblies of God-affiliated church. The park will be open to the public and feature playgrounds, sports courts, fields, walking trails, and a pavilion. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? Well, yeah, Natasha, each week you and I usually say where we are as we're doing the podcast. I almost always start the program with I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you usually say... I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. 
Now, we do that for a couple of reasons. One is because Charlotte, which is the home of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, five seminaries, including a Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary and Reformed Theological Seminary, the Inspiration Broadcast Network, which is one of the largest Christian broadcasters in the country, and several large missions organizations are all right here. Charlotte's kind of a hub for evangelical activity, and we you know, kind of honestly want our listeners to know that we are here, we're keeping an eye on things in some of the major evangelical centers. And of course, where you are, Natasha, in Colorado Springs, that's sometimes been called the evangelical mecca of the United States. More large ministries in Colorado Springs than just about any other city in the nation. And not only are you there, Natasha, but one of our reporters, Steve Raby, is also there keeping his finger on the pulse of the city and on the ministry world. But I say all of that to say this. Last week, I was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, because that was where the Evangelical Press Association was holding its annual meeting. And you mentioned that on last week's podcast. I did, but what I didn't mention is that Ministry Watch got an award from the EPA. We were given an award of merit, which means that we were named one of the best Christian news websites in the country. And when you consider that some of the entrants in this category are Christianity Today and the Christian Post, organizations with maybe 20 times the budget we have, we were pretty excited to bring home this prize. So I just, you said all of that really just to say this. Uh, thanks to our listeners, especially our financial supporters who made this possible. And of course, thanks to you, Natasha, and the rest of the Ministry Watch team, whose names you hear at the end of every podcast, for making the work that we do possible. And as you said, Warren, here are some of those names. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Kim Roberts, Ann Stike, Bob Smetania, Steve Raby, Christina Darnell, Rod Pitzer, and you, Warren. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.